This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. And a wonderful Erev Shabbos to all of you. Great to be here. Great to talk to you. Great to share some ideas, talk about the Parsha, get some inspiration, to hear what Torah has to say about our lives, about our hopes, about our destiny, to hear what Torah has to say about life in general, about God's great creation, to hear what Torah tells us, what in fact is the purpose, the secret, the entire idea of life. The Torah, of course, is the wisdom of God given to us at Sinai, a unique and powerful gift given to his people, the chosen people, the Jewish people. And this is why we as his people have this incredible sacred duty of living up to that incredible privilege of being the ones who study the Torah, understand the Torah, and apply the Torah to each and every single aspect of life. And this is why each and every week we have a new Parsha, because each and every week the Parsha talks to us about the events of life as we currently play it out. It talks to us about the relevant issues that we are faced with, wherever we are, whoever we are. We are talking about Torah and how Torah talks to us about understanding life, understanding the events of the week, understanding not only the events of the week, but to understand how, in fact, it needs to be so much part and parcel of our own experiences. This week is Parsha's Tisa, a very strange and problematic Parsha. It has all sorts of elements to it, all sorts of elements that when we look at seem to be so fragmented and, well, almost contradictory. We talk about the idea of counting, taking the senses of the Jewish people, and the particular and unique way how it should be done with the machtita shekel, with the half coin. We talk about the idea of, well, the uh, tablets, the holy tablets, the Ten Commandments. We talk about the kior, the incredible lever that was used to wash the hands and feet of the kohanim, the priests, before they entered into the holy area to serve and to minister. We talk about all sorts of interesting things, and we also talk about the incredibly strange, disturbing story of the golden calf, the golden calf which unfortunately, became a symbol of idolatry. It nearly destroyed the entire Jewish people. The Jewish people who had witnessed incredible miracles of the hand of God. God took them out of Egypt, showed them miracle after miracle within Egypt, outside of Egypt. The splitting of the sea, the crossing of the sea, the manna that came from heaven, the battle against the Amalek, the daily existence protected by clouds day and night. And yet the Jewish people, in a moment of doubt, turned to a golden calf. How strange, how how bizarre and how troubling we think about it. How is it possible that a people as great as the Jewish people, the people who stood at Sinai only, well, a short little while ago, <laughs> just over a month before the Jewish people stand at Sinai and witness God himself giving the Torah to the Jewish people, and yet a couple of weeks later, some weeks later, the Jewish people are dancing around the golden calf. How is this possible, and why is this, in fact, included in this week's Parsha? We're talking about counting the Jewish people, kitisa, elevating, raising the Jewish people. We talk about the great quality of who and what the Jewish people are all about, and yet... We read a story that speaks about, well, the almost destruction of the entire Jewish people. How can we reconcile that story within the context of this Parsha? One would think that that story would deserve a Parsha on its own, because after all, it is a unique, 
although troubling part of Jewish history, nonetheless, how can we possibly connect that to anything else, particularly in a parsha which is called Kitisam, elevating, raising, counting the Jewish people. It's a story that needs tremendous clarification and explanation. The story of the golden calf isn't at all easy to understand. It's not at all easy to understand because the Jewish people are not a stupid people. The Jewish people are a people who are profoundly wise in so many different ways. Individuals who themselves experience and witness unbelievable miracles that God showed them. The Jewish people who are the symbol of what God wanted this world to be, as he himself says within the Torah, how is it possible that they fell to such a low level that they actually danced around a golden calf. And of course the overtures that Moshe makes afterwards pleading with God, appealing to God, asking God to forgive the Jewish people, to overlook their shortcomings and to allow them to continue, yes, with a certain degree of punishment, but not to destroy the entire people, not to give up on the entire people. And God responds in an incredible way when he forgives the Jewish people, as we'll talk about in a short while. What is this Parsha all about? Why do we have a Parsha that seems to contain so many strange, disjointed concepts and ideas instead of a Parsha that should run smoothly from the story of counting the people. It should run smoothly throughout the entire Parsha, and yet it seems not to do so. It seems to be a Parsha that is so full of pain and suffering and questions and disturbing theological ideas, looking at greats such as Aaron, who in fact was leading the Jewish people at the time while Moses was in heaven, what role did he play? Why did the Jewish people behave in such a bizarre and strange manner to the point where God wants to destroy them? And when we take a look at the entire Parsha, it has to hang together, it has to come together. The entire Parsha has to be connected one thing and another, otherwise it wouldn't be part of the same Parsha. When Torah juxtaposes, when Torah brings together two concepts, two stories, two ideas, it's with huge reason, with divine reason. It's not random. It's not simply there because it happens to be there. It's there with the precision that only God can create and make. It's there exactly so because the relationship between these concepts, these ideas is profound, it's intimate, it's unique, it's everlasting. And in order to understand one, we have to understand the other. And both of them together give us insight into actually what is taking place so that we know and we understand what the story is all about. Otherwise, we walk away from a Parsha and we read a story like the Golden Calf. We walk away feeling disturbed, feeling uncertain ourselves. Is this what it's all about? Is this the issue when challenged in a moment that we give up our faith to such a degree? We walk away with a feeling that perhaps it's not real, perhaps it's not strong enough to carry us, to hold us to keep us along the path that God intended. However, when it comes within a Parsha and we begin to see the various elements of the Parsha, we begin to see the various stories of the Parsha, the various laws of the Parsha, suddenly we have insight, suddenly we have understanding, suddenly it's a story which, as painful as it might be, it's not a bizarre story, it's not a story that comes simply out of left field, it's a story that has a message for all of us to hear, to follow, and to somehow implement in our own lives. More of that soon.
This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about this week's Parsha, Kitty Sum, trying to understand how, in fact, it all hangs together, particularly the story of the Egel Hazahav, the golden calf, the golden calf, which is puzzling, disturbing, horrifying in terms of what the Jewish people did it's important for us to understand that story so that we can understand ourselves when we are challenged with issues of faith. And the only way we can understand the story is within the context of this week's Parsha. But before we get to that, the Parsha is all about what the name is and how it actually opens up. Kitisa, used within the context of the Parsha, means when you will... Do the census, take the census of the Jewish people, count the Jewish people. You have to do it in a particular sort of way, in a unique sort of way. You don't count the people directly one by one. You count them indirectly by them giving you something that represents their number. And this is what you count. You count the machzis ha-shekel, the half-shekel that each and every single Jew is obligated to give. And when you count the machzis ha-shekel, you will, of course, know how many Jews there are. However, when you take the word tisa, it doesn't only mean to count. The literal translation means to elevate, to raise. And this is what the Pesach is saying. When you want to elevate and raise the Jewish people, you have to do it in a particular way. And what's the manner through which and by which you are able to raise, to elevate, to pick up, to upgrade the Jewish people? It's by each and every one of them giving a machzit ha-shekel, a half coin, a half shekel. And the Torah says, Zayitna, when God is talking to Moshe, he says, this is what you shall give them. Because our sages tell us something quite strange. They say that Moshe, <coughs> excuse me, Moshe had difficulty in understanding what the half shekel was all about, which boggles the mind. What do you mean he had difficulty in order to understand what the half shekel, everybody knew what a half shekel was, everybody knew the coin, everybody understood what a shekel, Moshe, the wisest of all people, the greatest of all people, the one who communicates with God daily, he doesn't know what a half shekel is all about. And our sages tell us that God showed him a half shekel, a coin made out of fire. What this actually means is Moshe didn't have difficulty in understanding what is a half shekel, but the purpose of the half shekel, as the Pesach tells us, is to bring about redemption for your soul. In other words, it's a form of forgiveness. By bringing this half shekel, God will forgive your shortcomings your misdemeanors. And what in particular are we talking about in this week's Parsha? It was the sin of the golden calf. Moshe had great difficulty. How is it possible that if a person simply gives a half coin, he will be forgiven for the ultimate sin of the golden calf? Moshe had difficulty coming to terms. Yes, of course, Moshe did what he could in every sense of the word to protect the Jewish people. But at the same time, a simple act like giving a half coin is able to bring about Forgiveness for the soul, for the behavior of the golden calf. And the Torah tells us, our sages tell us, God said, yes, when they give it with fire, when they give it with passion, forgiveness to Shuvah is able to bring about a total and complete transformation 
of each and every single situation. In other words, yes, as human beings, often we are weak. As human beings, we often fall and stumble and misbehave. As human beings, sometimes we don't have the ability to desire or the wisdom to live up to the challenges that we confront on a daily basis. As human beings, we understand that we are pulled in different directions. We have a godly soul and we have an animal soul. And the animal soul tries to drag us into situations of behavior and attitude which is contrary to the will of God. And very often, unfortunately, as human beings, we do just that. But all is not lost. It's all is not forgotten and unf- There is the idea of teshuva. You are able to return through proper repentance, through proper return. God will not only bring about forgiveness, but in actual fact, if done with a sincerity at the highest level, as our sages point out, they tell us something quite unique, that our redemption brings about not only forgiveness, but it transforms our mistakes our misdemeanors into something which is positive. As do not our pre-considered sins, our sins of, well, misbehavior, in fact become merits in our life. This is the power of teshuva. This is the power of returning. And this is what this Parsha is all about. Kitisa, we're talking about elevating the Jewish people. And how do we bring about forgiveness? Forgiveness comes about with the realization that you are giving a machzita shekel. You're giving a half shekel. A human being often feels, well, full of ego, full of self, arrogant to the nth degree, considers him or herself to be a complete and full and total person. When in actual fact, a human being has to have the humility of understanding that you are only half a creature and the other half is divine, godly. A human being is a limited creature, limited in time, limited in mind, limited in attitude. And ultimately, if you want to become complete, if you want to become whole, you have to reach out to something else, something greater than yourself, the other half, as it were. And that is godliness that you allow to enter into your life. As a person is a combination of body and soul, of guf and nishama. And the guf, the body, yes, powerful, strong, has all sorts of qualities to it, the various senses, etc., etc., etc. But at the end of the day, a body on its own is nothing. A body on its own is only half the human being. It needs the soul. It needs the shat nishama, which gives it chayas, which gives it life. It animates. It gives whatever power that we have, it brings life into an otherwise deadened body. And this is the combination of body and soul, human and God, the great relationship, the great coming together of what might be considered two opposites. After all, the body is physical, the body is limited, the soul is spiritual, the soul is infinite, and yet they come together to merge, to create a human being. God, of course, is the ultimate infinite, God, creator of evidence earth and the human being is only a small tiny speck within that creation and yet they merge together come together to create this incredible creature known as a human being this incredible creature that has the power of choice a human being that has the ability of doing things of completing creation god forbid doing negative things as well but a human being is extraordinarily powerful in every sense of the word with a mind with a 
a heart, with a body, with senses. And when you introduce the divine element into all of that, the energy of the person explodes in the most incredible and wonderful way. It makes the human being a worthwhile creature. Everything that he or she does has purpose, has meaning, has excitement. Everything that he or she does brings about a sense of glory, divine glory, fulfillment of creation. Can you possibly imagine that? This is the Zayitnu, this is the half shekel, the person who recognizes, who understands, who knows, who feels that ultimately if they choose to live as a half creature, life is limited. It's limited to physical dimensions. It's limited to a certain amount of time and no more. It's limited in all sorts of ways. But if you allow the introduction of the other half, the infinite half, the divine half, the godly half, you become something that lives forever in the fullest sense of the word and every single moment takes on the quality of eternity and every single moment becomes a moment of greatness, a moment of glory, a moment of intense truth. And this is what happened to the Jews when they stood around the golden calf. They for a moment stopped considering the other half. What is idolatry all about? I've spoken about this often. Idolatry basically is when the human being becomes the creator of God. Instead of recognizing and knowing that God is the creator of the human being, idolatry is when a human being comes along and creates something over which he has total control and calls it God, whether it's a statue made out of marble or gold and silver or ideas that are limited. If the human being is the one that creates these things, it is ultimately not only limited and corrupt, but it's limited by the dimensions of the individual that brought it into being as well. Idolatry is not only bowing down to to a statue. Idolatry is somehow forgetting that we as human beings are limited creatures and we are totally beholden to the grace and gift of God for life, for everything. Instead of exploring those spiritual dimensions that exist within the world, instead of understanding and studying those great truths that our sages have passed down from generation to generation, we allow ourselves to be seduced by the ideas, the limited ideas of certain societies that result in expression of idolatry. We allow ourselves to be manipulated by small and meaningless things, things that appeal at best to the most external of our senses and really doesn't touch the core of our being. We allow ourselves to be driven by mode and by fashion and ideas that come and go so very, very quickly. Idolatry is when we lose sight of who we truly are, when we lose sight of the great divine dimension that makes us into what we are instead of being the full type of human creature that God wants us to be. We cut ourselves in half. We limit ourselves. We allow ourselves to enter into our reality, which is so small, which is so limited, which is so crippling and destructive in every single sense of the word. That's what idolatry is all about.
And in a moment of doubt, in a moment of uncertainty, in a moment of not having clarity, the Jewish people felt that they were on their own, that God had done enough for them. Moshe was not coming back from heaven. They are now on their own, and they made the terrible, terrible mistake of thinking to themselves that this is now a moment where they have to rise to a far higher level and become creators themselves. And instead of recognizing that this moment of challenge was there to bring them to a far higher level, they allow themselves to be confused by those ideas that were corrupt and limited And they started dancing around the golden calf that they had formed. This is what idolatry is all about. Idolatry can capture the minds of wise people, of great people, of strong people. People who forget the idea of anava, of humility, of recognizing the presence of God at all times, seeing themselves as a half, as a machtita shekel, as a half coin, needing the other divine half in order to make life one of great purpose. This is what happened to the Jewish people around the golden calf, and this is why it's contained within this parsha. We'll talk about that soon. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about how when a human being forgets that he's only half, and he forgets the other half, the divine half, he forgets that he is a body and a soul, not only a body, when he forgets that God is his permanent and real and half-partner in life. This is what results in idolatry. This is what results in negativity. This is what results in all sorts of terrible things. When a person is full of him or herself, when a person is so egotistical, so self-centered, so full of only one thing, to desire whatever they desire and to fulfill that desire because that's all they want in life, it affects their relationship with God, it affects their relationship with others, it re- it affects their relationship in every sense of the word. An arrogant person, a person who is full of themselves, never ever really has a relationship because he is so occupied with himself. He is so filled with himself. His entire space of life is taken up only by self that he lives a life of pathetic limitation and distortion and this is what this parsha is all about this is what happened to the Jewish people at the golden calf in a moment of challenge in a moment of coming to terms with faith and trying to understand that yes God does present us with these incredible situations from time to time he calls upon us to somehow bring out from the depths of our being the faith the absolute faith that we have in God sometimes we fail and this is what happens to the Jewish people at this point. And one would think at that point it was all over. They'd come to the end of the road. The Jewish people could no longer continue as God-chosen nation, as those who were privileged to receive the Torah. God said, let me erase them. I am sick and tired of this type of behavior. Moshe stands up and says, no, God, you have to forgive the Jewish people. You have to allow them the mistakes that they made, but they have to correct them. But you, God, have to introduce yourself powerfully 
into their lives and enable them to bring about this incredible concept of teshuva, of return, of repentance. And what happens? Not only does God respond to the overtures of Moshe, but he gives the Jewish people the incredible gift that we talk about prior to Rosh Hashanah, the Yud Gimel Midot HaRachamim, the 13 divine principles of kindness that God has, the rachamim, the incredible kindness and compassion that God has, the mercy that he has for each and every one of us. And in that incredible expression of the 13 dimensions of God, merciful gift to us, yes, it's possible to bring about a state of forgiveness, and not only a state of forgiveness, but a state of transformation as well. And this is how the Parsha begins, Kitisa, when you want to elevate the Jewish people. And there's two types of elevation. A person can be more or less where he or should be, and you elevate them from there. But sometimes a person is down and out. A person has forgotten his origins, his roots, who and what he really is. He is in a situation of the depths. Mimakim, from the depths I call out. A person is really down and out. It's from that point that you begin to to elevate, to count, to bring about the number that is so important to the dignity and survival of the Jewish people. This is what this part is all about, elevating them. And how do you bring it about through the half coin? By reminding ourselves and others, by reminding ourselves that we are only half creatures. We are dependent upon something which is so much greater, so much more powerful, so much more precious than the mere realities of our own life. And this is what this Parsha talks to us. It's not stories that simply come together. The story of the golden calf can be understood only within the context of repentance, of teshuvah. And what is the ultimate teshuvah kitisa? Elevating the heads, elevating the individual, bringing them out from the depth, from the darkness, from the confusion, and bringing them to a tremendous state of glory. But that is only possible when you have the humility of recognizing the fact that you are machzit, you are a half. And within that half, you have to seek and bring in, introduce the other half, that will make you whole in the fullest and most complete sense of the word. And this is why when we read this week's Parsha, this is what we have to listen to before we get to the story of the golden calf, before we get to the story of the moment of the tremendous fall of the Jewish people. The Torah tells us, Kitisa, we start the Parsha by talking about the incredible possibility of elevating each and every single individual to the highest level where they can bring about repentance for their soul. They can bring about total transformation in their lives. They can bring about a sense of glory and purpose. Before we get to the tragic story, before we hear that frightening, horrific episode in Jewish history, the story of the golden calf, we know we know immediately that Kitisa, the ultimate purpose is elevation, raising, bringing about the recognition of the half, the incredible sense of humility, the incredible sense of acceptance of something which is higher, the incredible sense of knowing that on one's own you can never ever be whole, on one's own you can never 
ever succeed. You need the presence of other, and in the fullest sense of the word, the true other, the divine God himself that forms the other half of each and every one of us and makes us into a complete and total creature. And this is why suddenly this Parsha becomes visible. We begin to understand the story because we know we are protected by the idea of Kitisa. We are ready, we are forewarned that yes, there will will be moments of great challenge and there might be moments of great failure there might be moments of falling backwards but at the same time kitisa we also know that we have the capacity the capacity to rise to be uplifted to the highest level but it is necessary it's incumbent upon each and every one of us to have the humility of recognizing the fact that we are only a half. And this is why this Parsha comes during this month as well, the month of Adar, when we celebrate the entire concept of Simcha. What does Simcha mean? Joy. Joy is, as I've said so many times, the clarity, the purpose. Suddenly things become real. Things fall into place. And what is the ultimate joy? The ultimate joy is not when a person is full of themselves, but the ultimate joy is when you accept the presence of others, you accept the idea that together, all of us, together, each and every one of us with God, this is how we bring about a state of wholeness. So, when you're in shul tomorrow, make sure you listen to the opening passages of this week's Parsha, the opening psukim. Listen to the idea of kitisa, the idea of elevation, the idea of the half shekel of zeitnu, the passion, the fire, the excitement that is required to bring about this level of tshuva. And as we enter into that frightening story of the golden calf at the back of our minds, we already know kitisa, the power of teshuva, the power of repentance, the power of return, is able to transform everything into a higher level. And what greater joy is there than that? The realization that God gave us this gift that despite our shortcomings, despite our mistakes, we are able to return and to elevate to the highest level. And this why Kitisa is such an important Parsha. It's a Parsha that talks about the Great Fall, but it's a Parsha that talks about being uplifted, being raised to a higher level, bringing about transformation in our lives, making our lives complete and whole in the full and true sense of the word. Good Shabbos.